and welcome to the World of Sport podcast hosted by Daniel Middlebrook and today I am so excited to bring you back an episode with Jackson or Gem live on YouTube. A basketball expert of sorts, it's always a really, really good chat with him so I'm not going to mess around, I'm going to cut straight into the episode. Always a blast with him, I hope you enjoy, I'll see you in the back end. Hello and welcome. So, Jackson, are you ready? It's been such a long time since we've done one of these and it's always a blast. So, are you ready to kick on with the episode? I am ready and I agree it's been far too long. (laughs) All right. So, in today's episode, we'll be talking about what the Nets need to do to win big, whether Steph Curry should be in the MVP debate, Give our MVP ladder, uh, talk about how good Tom Thibodeau's been for the Knicks. And who would we take, Zion Williamson or Jar Morant, to build a franchise around? So firstly, I've got to ask you, what do you think the Nets have to do to win the chip? Okay, to win it all. I remember we talked about this in one of our first times together before Brooklyn even played their first game. And I said there were contenders, and this was even before Harden. And so seeing what the body of work they've done so far... All Brooklyn needs to do to be contenders is to stay healthy. I mean, look what they've done against the best teams in the league. Already, just in a few games, they've beat the Jazz, the 76ers, the Nuggets, the Bucks, the Clippers twice, the Lakers. And in the last 14 games, they only have one loss to a team that's over 500. And this being said, they almost have, like, no time together to play. The big three, Kyrie, Harden, KD, they've only played together six times after that first opening loss to the Cavs and when Colin Sexton went off. They've won five straight. And so they've been good with this historically good offense, historically bad defense. But even with this horrible defense, they've been beating all the best teams in the league. I mean, we saw them last night just beat the Clippers. And their defense is really bad right now. Katie being hurt right now hurts that a lot. And a lot of people like to point the finger at DeAndre Jordan because people just see like this Congo line at the basket, all these open dunks, open layups, and naturally you want to blame the center. But I'm saying it's not all DeAndre Jordan's fault, and I don't think they need to trade him. I don't think they need to completely rush to replace him because he's put in a horrible position because if you watch them, the I mean, the guards just blow past uh, the perimeter defense of the Nets. Then DeAndre Jordan has to come up in, in a really horrible spot of playing the guy or leading his guy and the backside defender never comes out to help so he's pretty much guarding two people so obviously he's gonna look horrible uh and I, I would put this a lot on Steve Nash um because he needs to be on their butt about the defense and they do bring defense to big games but I'm scared because this is what the Clippers did last year they overlooked the smaller teams they overlooked the Nuggets they thought they were too good and we saw, saw them not make it to the finals so if anything if they brought in another big or a perimeter defender to help this out is Drummond and Avery Bradley but overall I think if they stay healthy and don't overlook the small teams when it comes playoff time I think they're going to make it to the finals I mean the problem is definitely isn't their oh I mean they score incredibly well every time they bring it up bring the ball up the court I just expect them to score and if they don't it feels so weird they have an offensive efficiency of 116.7 and they have a true shooting percentage of 62.2 which is the best in the league but their defense is a bit shocking most of the time. They rank 24th in defensive efficiency and 28th in points allowed, which for a contender, well, 
isn't contender numbers. To be fair, defensively, they have been getting better, uh, especially in perimeter over the past couple of days. Uh, but inside, they have sucked. I mean, I don't mind DeAndre Jordan, but the problem when I watch the Nets is we know that KD and Harden can really defend when they're locked in. But the problem is most of the time, they just don't. They they don't look locked in. They don't look like they're trying because they know they can outscore every team. Most of the time, defensively, they just seem to sit around a little bit. So I think to win big, I think they should trade for Andre Drummond because I really like him. And I think if you put him next to um, DeAndre Jordan, that'll be really good because they are playing a little bit too much small ball at the minute. And to be honest, Mike D'Antoni, I think he's on the next coaching staff and that's probably not the best uh, person to have around a rookie head coach in Steve Nash because Mike D'Antoni has the mentality of just outscore every single team. In fact, I think there's a story about Team USA where um, their head coach was going on about how they weren't defending well. And he said, oh, who cares? Uh, We'll just score 150 every game. And that seems to be what the Nets started to do. But uh, it's not great around Steve Nash. But I think they're a genuine contender. I haven't given them enough credit. Uh, Example, on my Instagram uh, post about uh, the top five contenders, I didn't even have them in there at first because I I couldn't see a way that if they have a top 20, well, bottom 25 defence or so, I couldn't really see a way uh, they win the championship. But if KD and Harden stay locked in defensively and Kyrie keeps scoring like he does, if they, if they stay fully locked in, they take both the LA teams to seven games. And I think they really, really put up a fight against Utah. But yeah, it all comes down to their defense and, and what they can do. I agree. And in my notes, I actually have Drummond um, just adding some more defense. And then another uh, player that the Heat really aren't utilizing is Avery Bradley this year. I mean, he doesn't really play at all. I think he's even like gone down to the G League this year. But adding that perimeter defender that can still uh, put up a good three-point percentage would be really good for the Nets. And I really don't think it would take much to get him as well. Oh, yeah. I'd love to have seen a Rajon Rondo on this team off the bench. That'd be so. I feel cool like to any see. team would love a Rondo if... off the bench. <laughs> when I go over my videos, every oh, single yeah. every single ideal situation is having a Rondo coming off your bench, leading the offense like that. Oh, I love him. He's so good, and I have to put some respect on Joe Harris's name because he is an elite three-point shooter like nobody else in the league well maybe the exception of clay if he was healthy can catch and shoot quite like he can it's it's outstanding i get to watch a lot of nets games because they're on uk tv a lot so i get to see them a lot and they're so fun i love watching the nets but i don't have a ton of faith in them in the playoffs because i feel like like you said they might do a clippers and if they play like a lower seed there's a chance that they might bottle this but i think they've got to be more contender more contender material than the 76ers around now, but that's a completely different conversation. Are you saying if they don't make this like defensive switch or like trade or like lock in, they're not contenders? I think they're contenders, but no, unless they don't make some kind of defensive adjustments, they're not winners. If that makes sense, so they'll they'll definitely get to the conference finals, but. I, I don't think they'd beat a net, uh, not the net, sorry. I don't think they'd beat Lakers in the finals or even the Clippers if it goes there. Um, just because they'll take them to seven for sure. But I think LA will just get a couple stops and be able to outscore if they have a healthy Anthony Davis and LeBron and stuff. Because the thing with the Lakers, and we'll get onto it in a bit more when we get to MVP ladders and stuff. 
But um, the thing with the Lakers is they play 43 minutes a game of just shocking and then five minutes where they just turn the switch on and win. If they do that in the playoffs, no team is going to lose to them. No, it's going to beat them, sorry. They're, they're too good. Yeah, I completely agree. The Lakers are really scared. And we obviously a little bit without Anthony Davis. And we see the Nets uh, continue to win games without Kevin Durant. So, I mean, a lot of people are playing without their stars right now. And I just don't want the Nets to be like the Clippers last year because they seem so complacent when they're playing bad teams and they just think they're better. They already had their eyes set on the Lakers. And I really hope that the Nets, they've only playing six games together as a big three is not enough, especially when you get in like a series. Already Anthony Davis and LeBron James have this like rapport and they trust each other. And that's going to go a long ways, especially in the playoffs. So they need to get as many games together as they can and take every game seriously as a chance to like develop their chemistry. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't give them enough credit. At first, when they made the trade, I didn't like it because I thought I couldn't understand at first how three massive scoring superstars that they are would fit together offensively. But then all it took was me to watch their first game as a three. And I was like, yeah, this is this is 100 percent going to work. There's no way it doesn't. But I think they'll be really fun to watch in the playoffs when, when we get there. But they're definitely a team to watch for in case they slip up. Not wishing away the regular season, but I cannot wait for the playoffs. Oh, same. Should we move on to the second point? And do you think Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors should be an MVP candidate? Uh, for me, he's not. Just realistically, he's not. Uh, historically, if you look back at all the MVPs, what you need to do is you need to be a top three seed in your respective conference because it's always going to be hard to outdo someone that's the best player on the best team having all this success unless you're having a historic season. And Steph Curry's having an exceptional season. He's playing amazing, but it's not historic. It's not like the Westbrook averaging a triple-double or it's not the Harden 30-plus games scoring 30 points uh, or even Steph Curry's own 402 three point season and I just don't see the Warriors getting to a top three seed I mean they're sitting at number eight right now and I kind of think this already takes Curry out of the conversation and his level of difficulty is very high but already I see ahead of him is Damian Lillard who's already snagged the fourth seed and he's been playing without McCollum without Mm -hmm. Nurkic and Curry is playing without Clay and Wiseman but the direct competition is always going to be there with Lillard. And as long as their numbers are similar, as long as Lillard has a better seed, uh, the Warriors just aren't good enough to get to the top three seed this year. So realistically, Steph Curry's having an amazing year. He's not an MVP. Oh, I, I 100% agree. See, candidate, I think, maybe, but winner, uh, 100% not. But I have to ask you, is Nikola Jokic a candidate for you? Oh, uh, absolutely. And I think we're going to get there uh, when we go through the MVP ladder. But I think he is for some other reason. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, like you said, I think if Curry's MVP candidate worthy, so is Dame. And I have to say the most annoying thing is scrolling through Instagram comment sections where they're looking at MVP candidates and all the people who just don't watch any games just put Curry MVP because... I I don't really know why because they seem to think he should win it when I definitely think he's candidate worthy to be in the sort of conversation because yeah he is playing very well 
But, yeah, like you said, he's not having a historic season. His team isn't playing particularly great. And players like Dame and stuff, they have worse teams, like worse guys around them without CJ McCollum and Nurkic, like you said. And he's like the, what is it, the fourth seed? That's incredible. That That's a yeah. real mean feat. Whereas Curry isn't carrying his team to wins as good as Dame. They might have actually slipped to the fifth seed. I think the Suns might be the fourth seed now, just after like yesterday's games. But I know they're floating around that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they have. They're at the fifth. Oh, yeah. uh, Spurs are only a couple games behind them, to be fair. They've been playing well this season, but that's a different conversation. Uh, uh, totally. Do you think we should move on to the MVP ladder? Yeah, then? I think there's going to be a lot of good conversation. And hopefully, uh, I don't know your list at all, but hopefully we can debate some. Um, so do you want me to start off? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, so we have our top five, but I actually want to start off with an honorable mention. You could call him number six, but I'm going to say this because I'm going to say Luka Doncic because this is just crazy. I had to throw this out there because going into the season, he was the runaway favorite going in. And what we know about the MVP, a narrative has a ton to do with it. And the narrative was it was Luka Doncic's year. He's going to average a triple-double. He's going to take the Mavs here. And for... I mean, I don't know if he's in other people's top fives. It's crazy that's not even my top five. They're just, the Mavs are not shooting the ball well. They're losing all the close games. Uh, Luka Doncic is missing all the last-second shots, and they're 10th seed in the Western Conference. So that's just my honorable mention. But moving on to number five, I actually have the guy we just talked about, Steph Curry. Um, again, having a phenomenal season, like a 35-6 and six type season, or five rebounds, six assists. Eighth in the Western Conference, I just don't see this getting – any much higher um bring it to number four this Mm. is where i have Jokic. Jokic has been playing unbelievable uh we'll talk about this guy later i would still take him over joel Embiid as a player but what they're doing being seventh in the western conference i think they're gonna go a lot higher than this the nuggets started out the season very very cold we see jamal murray and Jokic and michael porter jr all playing at a higher level right now having michael porter jr back is huge but Jokic 27 11 and 9 this is almost a 30 point triple double as a center i mean we saw centers break records 10 years ago for getting like one triple double the fact that he's almost averaging a 30.1 just blows my mind he's playing out of this world and i really think if the nuggets start to climb up the rankings of the Western Conference, which is definitely going to take some work, but I definitely think they can do. I see Jokic moving up in this conversation, but right now he's my number four. Number three, I have LeBron. And what's crazy about (gasps) LeBron to me is, I know, and this is weird because you know me, you know I'm a huge (laughs) Nuggets fan and a huge LeBron fan, but when you say the stats don't show everything this guy does, it's usually an explanation for shitty stats. But in LeBron's case, you can say this about him and everything he does doesn't show up in the stat sheet, but he's still averaging 25, eight and eight. And this just might be the best version of LeBron we've seen. I mean, obviously not as athletic as early LeBron or when he was in Miami or even his second term in the Cavs, but just as a basketball player, how, how well he runs the offense. I feel like he finally, I wish LeBron was running point guard his entire career because that is obviously where he belongs. Uh, the positionalist basketball, just getting the ball to uh, the best player. And we've seen him slip a little bit without Anthony Davis, but realistically this team without LeBron is just terrible. Okay. Wait, I'm actually talking myself into this. 
<laughs> I'm actually going to move LeBron to two because what I'm saying, I'm talking myself into thinking LeBron's number two <laughs> on this list. So LeBron's number two. He's having an incredible year. Uh, without Anthony Davis, we've really been able to see him shine in the way he gets other people going. And I feel like everyone just loves to hate on LeBron. I mean, just the other day, did you watch uh, the last second? He passed it to Caruso for the game winner. And Caruso missed it. Which game was that? Uh, it was uh, just the other night. I think they played the – wait, who are they playing? The Jazz? Or – wait, the Heat? I, f- I think that, I think it, it might have been – Yeah, yeah it would have been the was, Heat, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. The heat so won he got – uh, I mean, Iguodala's inbounding the ball. LeBron stole it. Caruso got it. Caruso made the bonehead play to throw it to LeBron, sprint straight towards him, like bringing his man there. So LeBron got doubled. So he had to pass it off. And everyone's still on LeBron for why didn't he take the last shot? Jordan would never. And I feel like just the criticism on LeBron is so outrageous. And he's usually always making the right play, always making the right read. So LeBron's my number oh, yeah. two. Uh, yeah, so we're going to move backwards now. Embiid's <laughs> my number three now. I had him <laughs> over LeBron. I talked myself out of it. But he's having a great uh, – as well, he's led the 76ers to the best record in the Eastern Conference. Um, typical Joel Embiid, he's having injuries here and there, getting nicked up, missing certain games. I always just see this as why mm-hmm. he's not going to win MVP. Similar to Kawhi, just takes too many games off. Um, but averaging 30 and 11 is huge. The problem I have with Embiid slightly is when he averages 30, I feel like it's a mix of, he has been more consistent this year. Um, but even just going for like 50 and then going for 15 is how like you get an average of like 30. And I like to see out of an MVP candidate, more consistent numbers throughout an entire stretch of the season, staying healthy. And having the success like he has, he's obviously the best player on the 76ers team, and he's had the, had them the best record. So that's why he's obviously in the MVP candidate. And that brings us to number one. This is my man Lillard having an exceptional season. He is oh. fifth in the Western Conference right now. And just based off level of difficulty with the team he has, I mean, the games he's playing and averaging – 34 and eight. I mean, these are very similar to Steph Curry numbers. Dame has had more team success overall, which is why I put him above. But what I think why I put Lillard at number one, why I think he's going to win the MVP is something I brought up earlier. It's narrative. Everyone is on Dame's side for not being an all-star starter. Everyone thinks he should have been ahead of Luca. Oh yeah. So not only, I feel like it's been a mid season switch in narrative. And I really think it's leaning towards Lillard right now. If Lillard gets them to the four seed has similar numbers, have a few more notable moments. He has the narrative on his side. And I really think it's Lillard's to lose right now. Wow. I mean, so you had uh, Steph, Jokic, Embiid, LeBron, yep. Dame. Four of those players are the exact same as mine, but the order's a little bit mixed up. See, I did make this list, I think, Friday or Saturday night. I can't remember which. Um, so they have changed, uh, chopped and changed a little bit. So the stats might be a tiny bit off. So apologies if they are. But number five, I've got Kawhi Leonard. Uh <laughs> He's my favorite NBA player for the record. He's number one in points per game for small forwards. He's an incredible player all around. I mean, you can't fully appreciate how good Kawhi Leonard is at basketball until you watch like full Clippers games and pay attention to everything he does. 
locked in Kawhi is the best perimeter defender in the league. Really, really good mid-range shooter. He's good around the rim. And now he's become a really nice playmaker. That's what he's put his time into this offseason. He's just an all-round excellent player. And I think to make the Clippers back to being really good again, because Paul George is also having a good year, but that's partly because of Kawhi also becoming a good playmaker. He makes Luke Kennard look, well, like a really, really decent point guard. No, sorry, shooting guard. I really, really like Kawhi. I think he should be in these rankings somewhere. And I think I can't put him anywhere higher than five, but he should be in here. So at number four, I like you. I just picked Nikola Jokic because he leads the league in a player efficiency. He's the best playmaker uh, for a big man. He can score threes. He's good at the rim. He's averaging 27, 11, and 9, like you said, and 40% from three. And it's not like he's rarely called to that. He can shoot threes if he wants to as well. And I think a stat which I quite like is he's on pace to have 8.6 or so assists which only Wilt Chamberlain has done as a centre in the history of basketball. Uh, but to win, he's going to need some help from the team uh, and they're going to need to come higher than the eighth seed, like you said. It, they're a bit weak at the moment. See, Jamal Murray's playing nice, but he needs to have more consistent good games. That's my biggest knock on Jamal Murray is that he's maybe not consistent enough. The talent's definitely there. But for number three, see... After Kawhi Leonard, Damian Lillard is my favourite player in the NBA, but I couldn't put him higher than the two players I've got in front of him. So Dame is my third. He can score from anywhere, and I mean genuinely anywhere. The second he crosses uh, the half-court line, he's a threat. I mean, he's a great playmaker who, at the minute, yeah, like I said, he's playing without CJ McCollum or Yusuf Nurkic, averaging like 30-7 on a talentless rotation. He, he doesn't play great defence, that's fair. But he's so good offensively, an incredible leader, loyal. He's just sublime. He's leading the NBA in clutch points and clutch field goal, clutch everything. He makes all the big shots. If I had one player, I don't know about you, but if I had one player uh, in the basketball to take a shot to win a game, I'd take Dame over anybody else by 5,000 measurables. Uh, I think he's doing better than Curry. He's definitely not a better point guard than Curry overall. Like, if you put Curry next to Clay, if you put them with equal weapons, I think Curry would have a better season and as such. But I think he's doing more with what he's got, with a better record and a worse team. And number two, I've got Joel Embiid, and he may well have the best footwork in the post I've ever seen from a player of his size. He may well be the most versatile big. He's a great defensive player as well. He shoots the three ball really nicely. Good mid-range game. Really nice around the rim. And most importantly, in post, his footwork's immaculate. And many people don't really know what he's going to do around the rim. And the fact that he can grab boards as well is so helpful to the 76 team. I really like watching Philly this year. And if they can hold their seed, which they definitely have a good chance of doing, seeing as the East is a little bit weaker than the West, I think he's got a really nice chance to win MVP so long as they have a cracking regular season. And so, number one, I've gone with your number two or number three, I can't remember which, LeBron James. And he hasn't been playing his best basketball but like you said, this is the best variation of LeBron. For 43 minutes a game, he can just play at 50% and his team will win the game. 
I mean, he's winning games and leading at 36 years old. He's not playing incredibly, but he's playing in every game and winning most of them. And I honestly believe that a turned-up, healthy, turned-on LeBron is the best player in the entire league. And right now, I think he deserves MVP as the best player on the second-best team at the moment. I mean, what do you think of my five? I reckon you'll disagree with a few of them, but uh, what do you think? I don't think? have a huge problem with a lot of them. One thing I have to uh, point out also is you also don't have Luka Doncic in there, which is just crazy to me. If you would have told me at the beginning of the season that neither of us would have him in our top five halfway through the season, I wouldn't believe you. But, uh, yeah, you definitely have to watch LeBron to see what he does. Um to understand because i mean if you're just a casual and you're not watching lakers games you're like oh his numbers aren't the best compared to all these guys but you just watch what lebron does on the court like literally how he plays is how the team does um so i i really do think lillard has the narrative over lebron that's why i have him there right now Kawhi is also very interesting to have over curry i'm actually not going to argue you a ton on that Kawhi's having an amazing year um, I think Curry might be having a slightly better year, but just you, you can't argue with the Clippers success. You can argue how good the teams are, but uh, overall you, you have to go with the person that's in a better situation. And Kawhi went to SDSU, my college. So kind of have to have a little love for them. <laughs> I also see Jokic moving up further. And I also had Embiid over Jokic by one spot. Uh, do you think Jokic is better than Embiid, or do you think Embiid is better than Jokic? It's it's really, really tough, because I think Jokic is almost at his peak of sorts, but the thing with Embiid is, it, it, when you watch him play, Embiid looks more dominant, but then you look at the stats or something, and you're like, oh, Jokic has a ton of assists, and then it doesn't realise, and I'm like, I'm in conflicted because I'm like, Jokic is probably having better stats sometimes, but when I watch the 76ers, Joel Embiid is so, so dominant, but yeah, I think I would take Embiid over Jokic as a better player, because uh, I love what he does in the post, and this is something that uh, Doc Rivers has really, really done nicely, is just giving Embiid the bead and let him play with it. It's excellent. I, I love watching the 76ers. They're one of my favourite teams to watch this season, strangely. I know a lot of people don't seem to like watching them a lot, but I, I definitely like watching the Sixers. And I think Embiid, he isn't as good a playmaker as Jokic because I don't think many one, many one, sorry, many, if uh, very few people are quite as good at that as Jokic. But yeah, Embiid might be a bit more dominant than him. I, I don't know what so you think about if that. If you're looking at it strictly from like a player's perspective, Embiid might be one of the most gifted centers of all time. But if you're looking, if like if I'm picking a center to start my team, I have to, I have to count in how much better Jokic makes everyone around him. So even, and you'd have to mm. be way better of a player for me not to take that over anything else. Because even if Embiid is more physically dominant, can maybe I mean they average the same amount of rebounds. I would think Embiid's a he's he's a much big phys, bigger physical specimen than Jokic is. Um, but if you account how much Jokic makes the people around him better and add that to his, like how good he is, I, I, I would take Jokic in two seconds and he's been consistent on staying healthy. 
And we saw him in the playoffs being able to play multiple seven-game series in a row, playing 40-plus minutes in each game. And I just don't think Embiid has the type of stamina or durability to do that. And so I'm going to pick Jokic every time. On a one game, if you if you give me one game, Jokic. like one game, I might take Embiid. But for a team, for like everything, for a season, for a playoff series, it's Jokic for me. Yeah, Jokic is definitely more polished. Like uh, he's a lot more of a refined player, but raw talent. I think Embiid's a little bit better. And I have to ask, I didn't buy into the Doncic hype uh, about MVP because. I, I just couldn't see it. A young player that young with all that... A young player that young. No, that's ridiculous. But sorry. Uh, a young player like him with all that pressure on him, I I didn't believe that he would win MVP. Did you also think he would win MVP? Or were you on oh, a no, similar Oh, no, I thought he was going to win MVP for sure. Just seeing what the Mavericks did at the end of the season, how they took six, the Clippers six games. They didn't have Porzingis. I thought Porzingis was going to come back. The Mavs were going to be on a tear and be like a like a Rockets or just like a really, really good regular season team. I thought Luke was going to put up insane numbers. They were historically great offense last year, uh, putting up a ton of points. And I thought he was going to have all the numbers. He was going to have the seeding, uh, the seeding, and he was going to have the narrative going into the season. So I thought he was going to be the heavy favorite going in. Yeah, I think it's definitely fair. But as soon as he played his first few games, you could tell, he just wasn't at his fitness and he's starting to get to that now and his numbers are picking up. But I don't think he's quite as clutch as he might need to be to be uh, MVP. But just to cap off why I think LeBron would be, one play against, because uh, I watched the Miami game uh, again, again yesterday, I think, or might have been on Saturday night, actually. I can't remember which. The time zones make it difficult to watch live games, but I watched them the day afterwards. Just one of these plays where LeBron, I can't remember who was guarding him. It might have been Jimmy Butler. He just turned it on for one second, one dribble, just runs to the basket and has a nasty uh, and one. I think it was dunk or layup, one of the two. And that's what I see from LeBron. Like, if he wants to turn it on, he has this switch that as soon as he turns it on, he's the best player in the league. And as much as I love Dane, like he's my second favorite player in the NBA because he's just such a fun guy. Uh, LeBron has this switch that nobody else in the league really really has uh one thing before uh, we can move on soon but uh the one thing i was gonna mention is if it wasn't for the time sitting out i think we would both have kd a lot higher because i mean he's almost on pace for like a 50 50 90 season absolutely like ridiculous but i just think the the, the shares he has to do with the ball and the time he's already sat out in a shortened season that's why I don't think we have him in our top five, but he's obviously top five talent, unless you disagree. I agree and sort of disagree. If you t- like, When it was just uh, KD and Harden playing, it was uh, – I-, I could definitely see him as an MVP because Harden was just passing and KD was scoring, but then you had a third party and it kind of takes away some of KD's touches, but – yeah, I think if he didn't have some of this time off, I'm I'd probably have him in like you had an honorable mentions list, but um, I probably wouldn't put him in my top five over a guy like Kawhi. And again, that's because I'm incredibly biased about Kawhi Leonard. I just love the guy, but yeah, I definitely like KD. All right, all right. So 
I mean, I know you haven't had the opportunity to watch a lot of Knicks games, but I just I've got a few statistics and stuff to ask you. What do you think of Tom Thibodeau? Because he has done an incredible job. Firstly, I'll do my own little waffle bit. I mean, I've, I think the Knicks are my favourite basketball team now. I know Washington resonates with me a lot, but the Knicks are a nice young team who play with a ton of heart and a ton of effort. Emmanuel quickly, the floater king, is just one of the best young players learning under the coach. He's nurtured young players, and he's turned around such a shocking team, like a really poor franchise. There was such a mess. Now they're genuinely contending for the playoffs, if not the playing games. He's changed the losing organisation to one that just fights for every inch. He's brought in a mentor, Derek Rose, for guys like RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, to make his life a little bit easier. They have, like, I think, the most points, the least, sorry, points allowed. Uh, top three in defensive rating. They defend so well, but offensively, they're a bit poor. 24th in offensive rating. But that doesn't matter so much because they hold most teams to under 100 points. And he's revived the career of Julius Randle while also building a really good rotation. But I have to ask, what do you think of Julius Randle and his, well, his revival with New York? I mean, I definitely see a lot of players have better seasons overall when they get on not so much of a great team. I mean, we saw this with Jeremy Grant. He moves and he's been developing as a player uh, from the, uh, or he's on the Pistons now, from the Thunder to the Nuggets now on the Pistons is kind of their number one option and having a fantastic year with not as much success as the Knicks have having. But we saw Julius Randle go for a bunch of points. We saw him, uh, I mean, kind of get disrespected when Zion Williamson came to the league saying that he was just like a better version of Julius Randle. It's like, hey, give Julius Randle his credit. He's a great player. And so him going to the Knicks and having a fantastic run at things, it looks like his revival of his career has just been so awesome to watch. And I'll be honest, like you said, you sent me the questions coming in a day or two ago. And when you ask a question like how good a coach has been, there's you, you need to be able to watch the games to see what kind of an impact the coach makes because I could tell you their record from this year or last year. I could tell you the, how much better shooting these players have gone in. But being able to watch a game and see the schemes, the lineup rotations, how hard they play, if they're in the right positions, this is the kind of stuff that coaching has watched. And the Knicks being your favorite team, I honestly haven't watched a single Knicks game all year. There's so many teams that I go on. I try and watch two or three games at the same time just to kind of flip around. So I watch. And usually a Knicks game isn't even in, in that rotation. So I'm going to defer to you. And it sounds like he's making all the right moves with – Derek Rose, the coaching staff, his defense, and defense is huge. It, it, I mean, it has a lot to do with coaching because the best offensive player is going to win versus a defensive player. This is just how skilled the NBA is now. But if defensively you can scheme together certain packages or plays or techniques to stop people from scoring 100 points, which has become so normal in today's game, then that has a lot to do with coaching. So just hearing all of that, I'll defer to you more, but it sounds like he's doing a lot of things with the Knicks and really without like an all-star player, like a lot of like young talent and good players, but they don't have an all-star, like a superstar really on their team, which is insane to me. I mean, the thing with watching the Knicks is defense is the most underrated thing to watch. Like it, it, it can be quite, it can go under the radar a lot, but when I watch the Knicks, the main thing I notice is just hands in faces of everyone. Like I remember watching 
I, it was the Pacers versus the Heat. And then the Heat were just setting a lot of screens and they are having no hands in their faces and the threes were just raining and raining and raining constantly. And whereas you see it with the Knicks, you look at the scoreline, you're like, oh, there's only scored 10 points in like, I don't know, seven minutes or something like that. So few points allowed. Because constantly there was just a hand in everybody's face. I, I, I realise I don't have a camera on and I just did a motion. You know, like how Dennis Rodman does all the hands and stuff in the last dance. Right. I, just, I did that, putting hands up, and then I realised <laughs> I don't have a camera on. So, but he has revived the career of Julius Randle, who was a massive meme last year. And then now he's averaging 20, 23, 11, and 6. Uh, he's averaging 20 player efficiency rating. I don't know how this man isn't an all-star already. I love watching Julius Randle. I love watching these Knicks play. They're so, so fun. He's rebounding really, really well. And a really underrated player for the Knicks is Mitchell. Up on the scoreline a lot, but he defends the paint, grabs boards. I really, really like him, and he's out injured for another few weeks. Uh, some I can't remember what injury it was, but uh, yeah, I love what they do defensively. It's so fun to watch because a conscious effort I'm making now is to watch defense and watch young players try and rotate and stuff and how they struggle. Like, I tried to watch a Michael Porter Jr. just defend a bit and see him get a little bit confused every now and again. And I find that really intriguing. Whereas with the Knicks, it seems like everybody seems to know what they're doing. And that's quite good because obviously they didn't go to the bubble. They had a lot of time to work with him because he was hired quite early on, which was really nice. He's had time to work with them, time to install his mentality. And, well, they're genuinely fighting for the playoffs in the East, who's quite weak. Uh, Teams above them would be the Celtics, Raptors, Pacers, Bucks, Nets, and 76ers. But I think they'll drop down to the eighth seed pro- um, <laughs> maximum because the Miami Heat, with, back with Jimmy Butler, are on a resurgence. And they look good with him back. They managed to beat the Lakers as well. Granted, it was without Anthony Davis. But I really like what Jimmy Butler does for that team. And they haven't had Goran Drogic for most of the season. It's really, really interesting to see what the Heat can do. I mean, where do you think the Heat are going to finish the season? Uh, they're kind of one of those teams that I, I really don't see making a splash exactly like they did last year. Um, I see Duncan Robinson not being as efficient or at least teams paying a lot more attention to him, treating him like a JJ Redick or a Kyle Korver. And so giving him that attention and just like, I mean, I saw at one point the heat had like 20 different starting lineups in their first like 20 or so games. It was insane. They couldn't stay healthy. Uh, They're just bad offensively, bad defensively losing. Like they couldn't string any sort of winning like stretch together it was just a really weird thing to see um and that's not the kind of like resume or kind of season you want to have going into a playoffs when brooklyn wasn't the team they were last year you know or the 76ers weren't as good as they were last year or they're a lot better than they were last year um so i just don't see the heat i see them kind of finishing the same spot like five or six like they did last year and maybe making a round, maybe not. But I, I definitely don't see another uh, finals or conference finals appearance for them. Yeah, I think they'll be in the playoffs, but there's no chance they make it back to the heights they did last year. I mean, we had a kind of interesting thing because in your one of your videos, you would take Donovan Mitchell over Jimmy Butler, and I'd take Jimmy Butler over Donovan Mitchell. And I just want to know, like, first hand, because obviously I can see why you would, but 
what are like the genuine reasons you take Mitchell over Butler? Did you see the game the other night? I mean, come on. <laughs> he he was playing the uh they were playing the Clippers the other night. He hit two just incredible three-point shots. Like like completely off balance, hands in his face. He's just like cold-blooded. I just think he's an overall way better offensive threat than Jimmy Butler is. Jimmy Butler can get his and it's going to be a lot of hard work. I think Donovan Mitchell has so much finesse to his game and has a way more dependable three-point shot. And I think the 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 way that Jimmy Butler can go out and clamp somebody up on defense isn't something that Donovan Mitchell quite has yet, but we've seen Donovan Mitchell being able to stretch multiple games together where he's going for 40 plus in a row. And I think Jimmy Butler can have a game like that every now and then, maybe once, maybe twice a series. We've seen Donovan Mitchell be able to do that through an entire stretch of a series. And overall, I think he's just too good offensively and not bad enough defensively where I wouldn't, I, I have to take Donovan Mitchell over Jimmy Butler. I think if I had to take somebody, for, well, one of them for the series, I'd take Butler just because of the NBA Finals. He played so well, scoring a ton of points. Like you said, 40-point games. But in that series, he did it regularly. And then I feel like he's the only person, or maybe with the exception of like a Ben Simmons or something, that can genuinely score zero points. I said this on the Ringer mismatch a while ago. I can't remember which episode it was, but it was a while ago. He's like the only player that can score zero points and have a massive, massive impact on the game, whereas Mitchell couldn't do that. But then again, it's a lot of things. If I had to take one of them for a regular season, I'd probably take Mitchell because he's having a great, great season. But I like Jimmy Butler a lot. I suppose it's, again, I'm very biased. I like his personality, so I tend to favour that. A lot more, but either way, we should probably move on to our final point. And I want to know who would you take, Ja Morant or um, Zion? So I'm interested to what you think about this because to me, this one isn't that close. I'm I'm definitely taking Ja Morant. Uh, seeming if if the question is build your franchise around, I'm assuming it's like some sort of draft, and I have the first pick obviously you want to go with someone young because they have a lot of years left and obviously Ja and Zion are going to be high up there and high prospects along with other people that are 25 and under but I would I would not take Zion because of how limited the other picks around that can be I want to stress that how important spacing is in the NBA and unless you're really really elite at something you I mean you can only have one person on the court at a time that can't space it ideally you want zero but unless like you're a Zion or a Giannis or Rudy Gobert or a Ben Simmons you're just not going to see much playing time if you can't shoot the ball Zion is in one of these but that kind of limits him to only shooters around him you can't get another huge big or another slasher or another but if you take John Morant with the first overall pick Similarly to what I was saying with Jokic, he's going to make everyone else around him better. And he has the opportunity to stretch it out and have another big in there, have another slasher. And I just really think this is like all around, like someone I would want to start my franchise around And Zion. I mean, this is like scary, similar to, I think Zion can be a dominant force, just like Joel Embiid can be a dominant force, but John Morant can go get his, and he can also make everyone else around him better. And also, we need to point out that Zion is actually a liability now on defense. He is so slow laterally. I mean, 
off the ball defender, amazing. He can come in sky up and get the off ball blocks uh, or steal off the ball. I mean, those are really fun to watch. But if you watch him like on defense, he's just getting burned by all the time. And teams are actually targeting him now on defense, which is really bad. And you would think looking at the two that Ja would be the worst defender, but Ja's actually the more formidable defender he's very quick laterally he can at least stay in front of his defenders and i know this wasn't a part of the question but if we're adding another name into the hat i'm taking Lamelo over ja and zion i don't know you know man. <laughs> what? Yes, no. all right go ahead uh, go ahead go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I, I wrote a piece on sb nations at the hive.com about the mellow ball and how i think he could be a superstar <laughs> no way, Jose, am I taking Book the mellow it. ball over Jar or Zion Williamson. He's... <laughs> I, I, I love Lamelo, you know I do, but John Morant has a touch of like Westbrook, he, uh, of AI, even D Rose and stuff. Uh, and he's a, like you said, he's a nice defender. And Zion. His offensive ability and his talents can't go understated. You watch him play, and all they need to do is just pass him the ball and he'll dominate. But yeah, like defensively, Zion's really bad. So I took Jar, but what on earth has gone wrong in your head for you to take okay. LaMelo ball okay. over Jar? Okay, you're looking at what LaMelo ball is, and you're taking a prospect. This guy just turned 19 years old. We've seen what Jar can do. He has a larger sample size. What do you know LaMelo can turn out to be? He's only had like six or nine games starting. And if we remember what the Grizzlies were, they actually lucked out getting the number overall, number two overall pick because they weren't a horrible team. I think they were just one game, one or two games under 500 on the season. And they got really lucky in the lottery. They got the number two overall pick and they got John Morant. He on their team led them to about, I think they got one or two games better than they did the year before maybe one maybe not even any I don't know they they didn't get much better as a team Ja individually had an amazing season already LaMelo coming off the bench most of the year and now having a starting role has already take taken this bottom of the barrel Hornets team they're in the playoffs right now if the season were to end right now what we have is a 6-8 and all this three-point questions coming in the year answered shooting 35 percent taking difficult looks he's been able to pass and assist his liability on defense hasn't been as big as a problem but similarly to Ja, it looks like he's working on it all the time and he's just getting better and better with time and if i see Lamelo averaging the numbers he is the impact he makes on the game already just nine games in i'm not saying i'm biased because i've loved Lamelo since he was a freshman in high school but if I'm starting a franchise, it's really hard to pick the guy that came into a piss poor franchise and has already turned them into a playoff team and the record wise phenomenally better. And he's I mean, he's 19 years old and he looks like he's getting better every single game. See, I agree with that, too. Uh but the thing with the Grizzlies is most of the time, Joe, like, I haven't seen any Grizzlies games live and stuff because they don't show any in the UK. If, if, if you're a small market team, I rarely, rarely get to see them. And I haven't got, really got to see many Charlotte Hornets games. I think I've only seen a couple. Um, but, it, see, I didn't know this was coming up, so I don't have time to prepare or anything. Oh, that wasn't prepared. I, that's just, I have the statistics that's just, up and stuff, like Jars. <laughs> 
see, I, I love LaMelo Ball. I think he might well be. I don't think he's the best passer in the NBA based on like efficiency and stuff like that and turnovers. But in talented, he is a better passer than almost anybody in terms of like quality of passes. But Jar is too good inside. He's I, I, he's too athletic. I love an athletic player. Um, and and plus, like you said, Lamelo just doesn't defend a lot based on like history of his career. And I have a lot of a lot of trouble taking Lamelo over Jar, especially somebody who's I played so few games. And like I said, Jar has a bigger sample size, which just makes me more confident. I take him over over Lamelo. It, it's it's a very tough question. I'm really struggling now because I can't find definitive reasons I'd take Jar. But when you watch them play, Jar just is a better player. Like You get an air sometimes that he might be the best player on the court. You made that okay. really difficult Lamello. for me. I don't know how I can take him. but Take it. Yeah. Go with your gut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, Jar is my gut, to be fair. So... Yeah, I I take Jar because I think he's more athletic. He's got a, a bit of a frame. nice frame to build around. But I watch out for the future. But frame, yeah, I think um he's a, he's got a massive wingspan. Like that's that's he's what I like. Six, he's got like he's that six three build one seventy. Really... Lamelo's six Whereas... eight. Tell me where you've seen that shooting thirty five percent from three, five yeah. attempts a game. Book it, Jar. What is he doing this year? Let's see. 22% from three this year. Is uh, that good enough for you? I mean, but but then again... Two years younger. <laughs> two years younger. I'm really trying it. But like you said, sample size, I can't, I can't be taking him. And plus... Um, where, where are the where are the Hornets? Fourteen, fifteen. Grizzlies, thirteen, thirteen. Grizzlies are in the West. Grizzlies are in the ninth seed in the West. They're better. They're ahead of the Mavericks. Ahead of the Pelicans. Uh, that's where you could cut that off, really. They. I really, really, really like this Grizzlies team. They're really young. I like their head coach. I like. I like most things about them. I just. I, I just get this air of that one day he's going to be a uh, an NBA superstar, whereas it's a bit less sure for Lamelo. Agree with that. that? That maybe it's a bit less sure Lamelo would be uh, an NBA yeah, superstar in the future. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair because, like you said, I wrote that piece about um about him. About Lamelo on at the Hive.com, and I really had a lot of fun writing that because getting to look at Lamelo in more in depth for his game, and that does make me more sure because I know Lamelo more than Jar. But any time I see Grizzlies and stuff, I just think Jar is so good. He's such a good passer as well. Like obviously, if in terms of efficiency, how many assists he can get, the talent of Lamelo. But it's 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 a real tough one. It's a real tough one. <laughs> Sorry, I just threw but, that out on you. Yeah. But uh yeah, I mean and and we won't really know more till we see more because I mean the Hornets have played 29 games. LaMelo hasn't started 20 of those. So what does it look like when he has full control of the offense and when you are they were uh both high draft picks, but it, the Hornets had like this 
hesitancy to put him in early, whereas the Grizzlies were like all in. Game one, the offense runs through Ja. When are they going to decide that Lamelo? He's like he's our primary ball handler. He's going to make the like the best decisions, and we'll. I really think we'll see numbers and wins go up when that happens. But I'm not saying Ja's bad by any yeah. of the means. Of I mean, taking him over Zion that already speaks to how good Ja Morant is, and. John Morant is very likely going to replace Steph Curry as the best point guard in the league in a few years here. Uh, but right now, building a franchise, 19-year-old stud. See, that's one thing I really like about LaMelo. And obviously, Jaya is like this too. But the maturity of LaMelo Ball is outstanding. Like, um, a literal kid making a documentary and going through all of that stuff as just a teenager, uh, uh, and for him to just come into an NBA franchise and just be so relaxed with it and just embrace being the number one guy. I, I just love that from a prospect. And they've both embraced that really well, being really high draft picks. They were both uh, top three lottery picks, weren't they? Um, Jar was two. Yeah, Lamella was three. Jar was two. Because they're both going to be Rookie of the Years. It's pretty much cemented, unless Tyrese Halliburton or um, I can't remember his Patrick name, the Williams kid uh, from from the Bulls. Uh, oh, that's one. But um, unless they have incredible seasons, then there's no chance they overtake Lamelo for uh, Rookie of the Year. I I already love these kids, but. Right. Yeah, I, I, t- I well, take NBA is definitely in good hands. Sometimes you get scared when you see kind of like how old our favorite players are getting in their uh, low to mid to upper 30s. It's getting like really sad. But seeing all the young talent, all of like the MVPs, like we're mentioning all being like under 25 years old is insane. And it just makes me feel like really good for the NBA. I'm going to ask you a question. Um, now forget about the Lakers team. Forget about all the players that are on there. Just think about their market. Let's say uh, Damian Lillard played for the Lakers. Like, forget about any other strings attached except for their market. I'm saying he's already an MVP at some point during his career because of how big that market is. He get recognition. Well, what do you think of that? So you're saying not accounting for the players because obviously Portland isn't like a huge free agent destination and they really haven't been able to get someone is if it's not through draft or trade, are you saying like, that's why, or like just because of he's a Laker. Like because uh, of media really attention. That stuff. being the case, I think, when you're making enough noise, like it really kind of answers for itself. I mean, we saw Giannis, Milwaukee, not a huge market. We saw Harden and Westbrook, OKC, Houston, not huge markets. Um, I, I really don't see that. I think if you're putting up the numbers and you're having overall individual and team success, that the attention gets brought to you. I, I do think that if Damian Lillard was in a different situation and maybe if he was in LA and was paired up with an Anthony Davis and able to outshine him somehow and obviously like be the best player on the best team in the league, then he would probably have an MVP with the same talent. But the idea that nobody around him, just the market dictates the MVP, I, I, I don't know if I agree with. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. See, I think 
he should, he's got to win an MVP before his career's done. And I hope your MVP ranking is is right in a sense because he's my second favorite player. But uh, I I can't fully see it happening because if the Lakers win enough games, people will be like, oh, fair play to LeBron. He's played or well, pretty much all the games. And to be fair to Kawhi, he's also not load managed this year either. So that's something we've got to give the old fellas for um well for actually playing a bunch of games and playing a bunch of minutes, even if maybe not quality minutes sometimes, maybe not giving them that all, but at least they're playing and getting wins and stuff. But yeah, I definitely I'd be happy with LeBron too. I'm a huge LeBron fan. So uh, if if he got another ring, another MVP. Yeah. uh, I mean, I I know he's playing. If he's, he's capping, if he's not saying he's playing a lot of games to uh, catch that 38,000 or trying to get to 40,000 points. So I know that has a lot of motive to do. And like you said, conserve his energy while also chasing after that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar record. So I'd be very happy with LeBron or Lillard winning the MVP. Yeah, I think the main reason he's doing it as well, or not the main, but one of the main reasons is, I don't know how, because I think Giannis deserved it last year, but I think he feels snubbed to the MVP last year. So he's probably trying to... um, trying to win it this year to make himself dominant because he feels snubbed. I, I think that's one of the rumours coming out. So he's probably trying to play every game just for that. Because we know he's... Um, it was a Ringer video of, I think it was Kevin O'Connor. Uh, he was talking about how he's adapted his game to, uh, over the years and stuff. And now he just doesn't move a lot of the time. So sometimes that can be interpreted as defensive laziness. But when the rest of the Lakers defenders are that good, he can just stop moving for a second. Uh, and he can just stay still sometimes. See, one thing I like when when I watch the Lakers is they're quite unpredictable. So when LeBron is the point guard, their O sometimes runs really nice and slow, and they can take their good looks, and they can run out the clock a little bit. But um, I really like what their bench gives as well, and being really fast. And that's what I loved like, from a guy from Karis LeVert at the Nets. And I was so disappointed when he got traded, because he's one of the more underrated players for just coming off the bench. I thought he was a real energizer. The whole pace of the team just got faster. Everyone wanted to play better. It, it, that's what I like off a bench. And I think that's what the Lakers bench will separate them from the Nets and stuff. Because come playoff time, uh, the Nets three is going to be absolutely shattered playing all of these games. Um, think of Kyrie's mental health break. Do you think that was like a good decision or he should have, maybe well told somebody he was doing that first (laughs) i saw this video i don't know how i mean in the spirit of Kyrie, let's get a little conspiracy here but there was kind of a conspiracy or an idea that Kyrie actually didn't go on like his like little sabbatical that was all calculated because when they were trying to make the trade for harden Kyrie being gone like out of nowhere like no real reason not telling anyone uh made his trade value really low why would you want that problem on your team and so the nets were able to get Harden without moving on from Kyrie because Kyrie's trade value was so low as soon as they get Harden, Kyrie's back with no mention no word of it no anything so I'm not counting this out that I mean with the end of dollars involved millions it's and a championship is everything and so to brainstorm to think to do things outside the box to get the players or the 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 players you want is that that really intrigued me so i i don't know if you heard of that or 
oh no that was new to me that that's actually really quite interesting i just kind of thought see at first i i was a bit annoyed with him because i i really questioned the maturity but now i'm, I'm kind of seeing it as like he understood he needed to take a break. He could have done it differently and requested a holiday like Dennis Rodman did uh, with the balls and stuff. Obviously, he went a bit AWOL, but if he had just requested a little bit of time off and just had a, a few games to just chillax, uh, take himself away, turn off his phone and stuff. Now he's come back revitalised, looks really fresh, looks really happy. And I, I do think that, uh, Kyrie's painted as a bad guy when he's uh, not sometimes and that can be really disappointing from a player but especially the media seems to have a narrative that uh, not Kawhi, sorry, Kyrie's just not a nice guy when that's not true he's just maturity can be questioned every now and again I think we all know somebody that's like they're nice but maybe they're a bit immature every now and again and I think Kyrie falls no, under that sort of bracket Do you think it could have been staged at all though? I'm, I'm wondering what you think about that or if that's just too new you need to process sit on it I like it, but that's absolutely Belgian waffles with syrup. It's just not true. It's I, I can't see any way that that would really happen. Um, I, it, there's definitely got to be some kind of conspiracy that I, I can see why people would think it is what I mean to say. But but no, I, I, I Kyrie wasn't really in the trade conversation with them either way. So, well, wasn't in the, with, in the trade conversation much. Uh, and luckily they had enough pieces to get rid of it. But do you think they could have traded uh, for Harden for less or for more, considering that they traded away the anchor of their defense, Jarrett Allen, and a really nice guy off um, the bench? I, yeah, I, really, I really don't think they overpaid for him at all. They have enough pieces to put around him to be a championship team. And you don't, you don't, I mean, you you're, you're willing to give up. I mean, you saw the Lakers do this to the Pelicans. If you have four quarters, you'll trade that for a dollar every time because that dollar means so much more in the NBA because one position in the NBA is so much more important. And that's why I think we were all really surprised with the Heat last year, not really having like that $1 bill. Jimmy Butler, amazing, but not on the level of like a top 10 player. Um, but and so we're seeing teams do this a little bit more, but it works. Having multiple all-stars on the same team works. And so if you have the pieces to get, especially Harden, an MVP, multiple-time scoring champion to pair with your already insane team, I don't think they overpaid at all. And they could have even paid a little bit more, if you ask me. Yeah. All right, then. I think that's where we'll leave it. So thank you so much for coming on. It's, it's always a blast uh, when we get to do these kind of things. So thank you so much Have for coming on, Thanks and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> Have a good one. Thank you, and you. And so thank you so much for listening to the World of Sport podcast hosted by Daniel Middlebrook today with Jackson with Gem Live who's on YouTube. It was a really, really good episode. Really fun to do. I, I do always enjoy uh, these episodes with, uh, with Jackson. Always a blast. And I hope we have him on again or collaborate again or something because it's always really, really fun. I really hope you enjoyed. And if you did, make sure you follow, subscribe, 
give us five stars, tell everybody you know, and make sure you follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and now on YouTube too, a World of Sport podcast for all of them. I really, really hope you enjoyed. Have a just a wonderful day, and you know, take your time off. Everybody needs a mental health break. Everybody needs a health break, so take yourself a break. Give yourself some time off. Have a wonderful day, week, year, and life. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.